on today's podcast in honor of, I don't know if everybody else is excited for this as I am, but this movie I've been waiting on for like two and a half years now. Uh, we finally are getting Top Gun Maverick, the sequel to Top Gun this week after delays and pushbacks. Um, and in doing so, we are going to look at the biggest summer blockbuster movies of all time. Um, to do that, we are going to run a four-man movie draft where we'll be drafting six movies each. Uh, we'll draft one movie from each decade beginning in the 70s all the way through the current decade. So that includes 2020, 2021, and 2022, even though, as we were talking before the show, there's like seven movies for us to pick in that decade. We're going to do it anyway. Um, the eligible movies here are going to be those that are released between the months of May and September in any given year. So, of course, you'll not hear us say some really big movies that dropped in certain decades. And guess what? That's because they were probably like Christmas time movies or post Labor Day. And we are trying to hit that big summer blockbuster bunch. So yeah, they're going to be also based on opening weekend totals, not overall growth. So you will also notice in some cases, um, some of the movies I did consider some are blockbusters on our spreadsheet here, especially from the 70s. Uh, they did not have very great opening weekends, but eventually turned into it. I think you could track that just based on second and third weeks at the box office. More specifically, uh, you look at movies like Star Wars that did not have a very big opening weekend but word of mouth in the old days before they had internet that's how the the movies really gained so um i have here a oh i forgot i wanted to interject real quick pete and david uh just so the audience can get a little bit of a sense of what your movie taste is and to not give out the entire farm on you know what you might be leaning towards in the draft but just give us a a stamp of approval uh, movie that you've watched in the past couple weeks or that you've seen recently that you would recommend to our audience if you have one. Yeah, I'll kick off. My, my normal methodology for this is for any like film, if to, whether I enjoy it or not, how I benchmark it is if it moves me uh, and that can be in, it can be a lot of different directions. Right. And that there's no, Judgment, like Manchester by the Sea. I absolutely love that movie. It's it's super sad the whole time. I give that context to say that summer blockbusters don't necessarily move the needle <laughs> in the same ways. Um, so I think you just got to judge it by fun and exciting, which, you know, I'm not going to leave in some profound emotional state, but, um, but they're a lot of fun. <laughs> um, so I... Uh, one, one that I would say fits my kind of traditional bar there is drive my car, um, which I know I've talked yes. with several of the dads about, um, outside of the podcast and, uh, it's, yeah, it's one of those movies, like, you know, literally on the verge of tears a couple of times. It's, it's just, it, it, that hit all the benchmarks for me. Um, in terms of summer blockbusters, as we approach the summer, I've, I've been catching up with, with some of the Marvel movies, um, in, uh, Shang Chi was was great. I mean, I like, very fun and and exciting, and I may have just spoiled the pick there. Um, but uh, yeah, I, you know, I I would say that's kind of the two categories and how I'm I'm kind of viewing this. So, I, yeah. Oh, go ahead, Jordan. 
I was gonna. It makes sense. Uh, the summer blockbuster. Uh, the only one I could really think of that should have been a blockbuster that I saw the summer recently was uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, mm. and that wasn't necessarily like a just have loud explosions and fast cars kind of blockbuster. Um, the ones we're going for here, I feel like, are all. Uh, it is 95 degrees out with the humidity. We need to sit inside for a little while. What do we watch at the movie theater? That's exactly what what these are going to be. Pete, what about you? <laughs> I so I I mean I love movies just give me anything you got and I, and I'll watch it for the most part um but my my kind of MO is I love I love movies that do something unique or different to a uh, a tired story or not even a tired story but just like you know something that's like gives a little twist a little special twist on on something um so like I it's it's an old take but it's just ruminates in my mind because when my wife and I first saw it yeah, it really it left an impression on us. But Last Christmas with Emily Clark, uh, great movie, great movie, and it's a real fun. It's a good take on a classic like Christmas rom com, which I'm a fan of. Um, I also love just general, not dumb action, but like I'll try. I'll say that like one of my favorite directors is Guy Ritchie, and so I love his kind of like super stylized. Uh, films with lots of very dialogue driven the gentleman his most recent i really loved loved that that's kind of like exactly in his vein and uh in the kind of stuff that i like so this uh the summer blockbusters though i my strategy is going to be very haphazard but there are there are plenty of movies here that speak to me uh, uh speaking of guy richie pete have you uh come across wrath of man yet i have seen that it was oh, man it was exactly what you would expect it to be. <laughs> My favorite thing about Wrath of Man was all of the reviews that were basically, because it's based off of a French film, which is supposed to be a much more nuanced tale of like this father really kind of struggling with the loss of his son and like <laughs> and infiltrating this kind of whole, like really solving this whole crime. And, and all of the reviews of being like, this is just Jason Statham killing a bunch of people. And you're like, yeah, what'd you expect? I don't know why you thought it was going to be some like really nuanced take about fatherhood uh, with Guy Ritchie and Jason Statham at the helm. Yeah, it's it's Jason Statham and Guy Ritchie teaming up again for just, it was a garbage crime movie to me, <laughs> but I had a lot of fun watching it. Yeah, it's a perfect, I watched it on the airplane. It's a perfect airplane movie. Um, so getting to the draft, I have a randomizer here. I'm going to attempt to show you guys on the phone. I'm hitting randomize right now. And, oh, man, this is this is tough. Can you see? Uh, <laughs> no. A little higher. Now, there we go. of course, I got the last pick. Of course, classic randomizer. So it looks like it's me, David. Oh, this is Roger, the most rigged randomizer. I don't know. I don't want to go first, which is, I feel like this is a tough place to be because I have to make a really good first pick. And then sure. I have to wait as I watch like seven other movies go off the board. Okay. Cause we're snaking. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it is a snake draft. Um, a little more context on the rules each decade. I, I mentioned to these guys is uh, basically going to be like your positions in a fantasy football draft. You just need one movie from each decade but we're not picking them like in succession of 70s movies first, 80s next, 90s, just whatever decade you feel most comfortable with starting. 
and I'm on the clock with the first pick. I think I have to go see my 1970s big board. Uh, this is actually a, a no-brainer for me. I'm going with Jaws uh, from 1975. It's probably one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, directed by Steven Spielberg. It has Roy Scheider, um, who is coming like not immediately off, or pretty close to being right off of The French Connection, which is another one of my favorites, uh, starring Richard Dreyfuss as well. Um, I just really like this movie. It's a great summer movie. Uh, it takes place over the 4th of July, uh, so it's like a great kind of holiday weekend movie. Um, I love the, the score. John Williams became even more of an icon after setting this score up. Um, Steven Spielberg, this is like his first real big swing at it. And who doesn't love hearing the stories about Bruto, the mechanical shark and just the, this movie set the course for a lot of like big monster movies and big man versus nature movies that came after it. So Jaws is legendary. It's like easily a top 10 favorite of all time for me. I'm going with Jaws with the first overall pick. I feel like that's a hot take. I, I don't necessarily know if I would associate Jaws as the number one pick, but I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I just saw it recently for the first time. It, it holds up. It holds up to all of the hype that, uh, that comes, with, comes with the name of Jaws. I just love this movie. It's, it's just really good for me. Um, next up, let's move right on. Um, David, you're up, right? Um, I am. I think I'm also sticking close to the sea, although uh, mine was a little more friendly to to tourism in those communities, <laughs> the seaside <laughs> communities. I'm going with Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh. Uh, I recently saw the like the opening scene again. That opening scene is just flawless. It like sets you up for the whole movie. It sets the tone perfectly. It's funny. It captures uh, Johnny Depp's Jack Sparrow perfectly um and i've always wondered what they did with the boat as it sank right in front of the dock i don't know how you get rid of that <laughs> you swim down there with saws hack it apart i digress uh incredible movie um set up a franchise right that is still going to this day obviously there's a lot of a lot of uh you know drama with johnny depp and whether he's gonna be in the franchise um, going forward or not, but I, I I really do think that's it's kind of like the epitome of a summer blockbuster. It's accessible to families. It's uh, I still think about it to this day, and it's it's one of those movies, right? If it comes on, you're just you're just kind of watching it. You can't you can't not. <laughs> um, I fully endorse this pick. Me yes. and me and my girlfriend actually just recently watched all five Pirates of the Caribbean movies because. The, fir the first one is just feels like a classic to me. I remember going to see it in the theater uh, when it first came out. I, this was a blockbuster that I actually went to go see in the theaters, even though I was like 12, I think, when it came out. Um, but the person who brought us to this movie, me and my sisters, told us that they thought that was it was too violent and scary for us. So that is very it's based off of Disney ride, folks. But it was too violent and scary for us. Terrifying. I distinctly, I have distinct memories of the like ad, the trailers that they ran, and the posters of like the skeleton pirate on the on the deck driving the like. I have distinct. It was a pivotal part of my childhood, obviously as well. 
But the one thing, I, Jordan, I also rewatched, I rewatched the OG trilogy. And coming away from it, if you watch all three movies in close enough succession that you can kind of like follow the character arcs, Kira Knightley's character arc in it is exceptional. Like her trajectory from, you know, damsel in distress princess basically to queen of the pirates is it, it's not only just like an amazing trajectory from that, but it's also feels so natural for her character from the, the very first movie. Um, and it's like a credit to them because clearly they made that first movie as a standalone movie. And then it did so well that they're like, Oh, we're going to make this a franchise. And so like building off of that character and, and building an arc that is, that feels so natural for her where it ends at this crescendo of her basically being the queen of the pirates. Cause if Orlando Bloom finished as like the king of the pirates, you'd be like, nah, that's lame. That's not his, like, that's just putting way too much on this guy's plate. Who's like a side character, honestly. And so I just rewatching the trilogy. That was my biggest takeaway was like, wow, this is actually like a really well done story of how Kira Knightley, like her character rises to, to pirate stardom. So I'm here for it. Yeah. Fully agree. Roger, do you have any uh, pirates takes? I know you're a Disney fan. My B. Uh, the thing that I would say about pirates perhaps being too violent is that the ride also has a lot of that because it's about pirates who famously uh, were not like the most peaceful dudes at sea. Uh, yeah, that movie ruled. Uh, the score alone is just legendary. Like it's a top five score in a movie that I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah, this was definitely in the era of just really good adventure movies because this is coming on like the heels of Lord of the Rings and just uh, even The Matrix, I would count that as like a adventure movie. So yeah, very good era in movies right here. Um, Roger, you are on the clock. Well, uh, it's tempting to pick something from the 70s since... Uh, I feel like there are limited options. Jaws was a great pick and Pirates is a great pick. I think I'm going to slide to the 80s and take something off the board that perhaps you might not. Well, you might expect it. I'm picking uh, Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back. Son of a bitch. Yep. So I was uh, waffling between uh, Empire and Return of the Jedi a little bit. Uh, I feel like Return of the Jedi probably had higher box office, but Empire, in my opinion, is the superior film. Uh, it's kind of just perfect from front to end, uh, if you want. I I don't think that there is a better star, like original, not original, a better uh, Star Wars movie that is one of the numbered episodes. Like I like Rogue One probably more, but. I was uh, just I was just about to I was gonna interject with yep, that too. Yep, I, yep. As soon as that, I was like, oh, but yes, continue. Uh George Lucas uh is maybe not the best director, and some of the dialogue's a little tough, but uh the chemistry between Carrie Fisher, Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Chewie. I mean, every everybody plays their part. It 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 was one of the I I, I think the spoilers that vader being luke's father is like one of the greatest shocking moments in cinema history uh i think legendarily like no one really knew about it except for like mark hamill and george lucas obviously uh and from what i hear i was not alive in the 80s but people went back to see it again and again because it was good the twist was great obviously the score is stellar and 
uh, second movie in a legendary franchise. So with pick number three, uh, Empire Strikes Back is coming to Madison. Yeah. I mean, with the different locations in Empire, uh, whether that's just on Hoth, the ice planet was a just a cool change of pace or going to Dagobah where uh, Yoda... W- we were essentially introduced to Yoda in this movie too, right? He's not in uh, yeah. New Hope. So uh, just a great, great movie. It's my favorite Star Wars movie. But like you guys said, also like Rogue One is close. Um, Retur- the Last Jedi is also up there. But yeah, that's a good uh, pick. Empire, one of, the, one of the few instances where the sequel is like as good as, if not better than, than the original. There's only a few, and I can think of in a in a trilogy where, or or just a twosome where the sequel is like as good, if not better, than the original, and definitely definitely Empire takes the cake in that. Roger, I yeah. thought it was interesting that you said you started off with the chemistry between Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher. Those were the first two you named. Oh, I I picked my words very. <laughs> I mean, it was <laughs> exceptional. That was intentional. <laughs> Oh, you scruffy nerf herders. All right. <laughs> Pete, you're up with back-to-back picks. Ah, oh, well, I am going to uh, to run to the podium, and I'm going to select with my first overall pick. I'm going to go to the 2000s, and we're going to take The Dark Knight, because there is no better superhero movie than The Dark Knight. Exceptional from beginning to end. I just rewatched it recently. It, it is just a true masterclass. And it's one of those examples, it's an example of, and we've seen it more and more uh, since this movie, but it was like one of the original movies that just stepped out of its genre, where it was just an exceptional movie, regardless of it being a superhero movie, that it was just something that was so well done, so well constructed, um, that it was, you know, had critical acclaim um, and then obviously Heath Ledger as the Joker is, I don't know, like a top five performance for me, uh, an actor ever. Uh, it's just from all of his neurosis, from his quirks, from from the different, his iterate, like the, I think the thing that I go back to all the time in terms of, for me, when I like to think of like, what is a good performance in my mind, it is when I forget that it, this is the person, right? When I'm watching it and you're just like, oh, fuck, that's, that's Heath Ledger. Or like, you know, you, you've forgotten who that actor is. And that only, for me, it's only a couple of times that that's really happened. And this is obviously one of those performances. Um, and so it's just, it is a perfect movie. Uh, and I, uh, I'm thrilled, thrilled to be having it as my number one pick. I'll say that that was my, that was my two. And it was really hard to, to pick between them. Honestly, the 2000s is kind of loaded, but uh, Dark Knight is one of my favorite movies of all time as well. And I, uh, very well deserving. I was I was recently thinking about this movie, and I, I had to go like, oh yeah, Two Face is in that movie. Yeah, and it's not as not as like an afterthought. It's just more like substance that I right. like had forgotten about, <laughs> just because Heath Ledger's performance is so incredible. But yeah, no, and it's it's a and it's also it's also one of those movies too that like you hear. I'm trying to think of like, um, isn't it the Amazing Spider Man two where they like cram in rhino for a hot second at the end it's like one of those you know it's when you hear it's like oh they're gonna do double villain duty like that is always i always 
initially it was always a death sentence. You're like, oh no, you got to be like one villain for them to go up against. If you introduce another villain, it's just going to be like this kind of sub character and you're not going to do it well. And, and it's again, an example of like the Joker naturally leading to the creation of Two-Face and then Two-Face getting his moment in the sun and then, and then that character uh, kind of coming to a conclusion too. Yeah, it's just... Uh, it's so good. It's such a good movie. And rewatching it too, you're just like, it holds up. Every every checkpoint holds up. The you opening scene. Okay? Yes, definitely. Okay. That, that opening bank robber scene oh. is just stellar. I remember being in the theater and wanting to <laughs> shout and other people, like, it was so good. And then the lasting legacy of it kind of being the impetus for the Academy to expand Best Picture nominations is obviously huge. Yeah. You know, I was wondering how long it would get us to um, talk about Paul Giamatti's Rhino from The Amazing Spider-Man 2. And I'm glad it did not take us very long. I mean, what do you talk about top villain performances? That that takes the cake uh, for, for number one. Um, the right, Russian so get- accent, the hokey mechanical <laughs> suit, just perfect. I can't wait for the third one. Uh, so I get back to back, and with my second pick i am going to go to the 80s and i'm going to take we talked about uh sequels being better than the original how about a third being the best of a trilogy indiana jones and the last crusade 100 uh going down as my pick here again like we've talked about this like we've touched on this with all of these adventure movies the score incredible the story is wonderful. We all love when they just beat up on Nazis and uh, and have them die in really horrific ways. But rewatching it, Harrison Ford and Sean Connery's chemistry, impeccable. Almost as good as Mark Hamill and uh, Carrie Fisher. As um, but but that is it's just it's a beautiful conclusion to that Indiana Jones saga. If you just and drop out the middle and drop out the anything that goes up. Really, Indiana Jones is two movies. It's Raiders of the Last Ark and uh, Last Crusade. And I'm thrilled to uh, thrilled to snag Last Crusade uh, with my second pick. Listen, so I, I love the... Uh, I was going to say, I love The Last Crusade. I love Sean Connery stepping in as the dad. I love every single reference to the, um, the dog named Indiana. <laughs> But I have to, Raiders is the best Indiana Jones movie. I'm sorry. I mean, Raiders is, is truly exceptional. I just, I love the Sean, the, the Sean Connery and Indian and Harrison Ford acting out, reacting to the fact that they both have slept with the same woman is cinematic gold. Cinematic gold. I said, don't call me Junior. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have so much love for Last Crusade. I prefer Raiders, but it's neck and neck. Those movies both rule. Awesome. Yes. Uh, I'm glad we have Indiana Jones representation on here because I don't think... Oh, no. Temple of Doom is in there for the 80s. I mean, anyone can take one... that if they want. All three are <laughs> 80s movies. And we don't talk about the other one. No. Hey, shout out um, Short Round, though uh what's his coming name? back into the and in, coming back into the cinematic world kiwi kwan just coming back um everything everywhere all at once is my favorite movie that i've seen this year so i want everybody to go see that one yeah, I um see that. roger you are on the on the board 
Oh, geez. Uh, I feel like I kind of have to take a 2020s movie simply because there are not that many of them. And I I think I have some okay picks, some contingency plans. Uh, so in keeping with uh, Pete's pick of The Dark Knight, I'm going to pick this movie from the same director. The, the movie's called Tenet, and it came out in 2020. Starring John David Washington, Robert Pattinson, uh, extra tall girl Elizabeth Debicki, Kenneth Branagh, among others. Uh, and I thought this movie was, uh, it, it got a lot of hate from a lot of people, and I don't think that a ton of people love the movie. I really like it. The visuals are insane, uh, and the story is inventive, if confusing. It's one of these movies where if you watch it, two or more times like many of Nolan's films uh it gets better as you understand what's happening more and more and pick up on a thing that you didn't pick up on the previous time and I also just like I don't know Robert Pattinson being a weirdo quite a bit so that is my pick always stand Rob Pat <laughs> yeah this was a, a great cast uh I liked the movie a lot the music was really good too um uh, shout out to my guy. Oh, what's his name? He did the Hans. music for Creed and Black Panther, Ludwig Jorensen. Oh, wait, no, Hans Zimmer, I think, did Tenet. I, would, I assume Hans Zimmer does everything that Nolan does, but I could be wrong. <laughs> um, either way, I, I just love when Chris Nolan is going back to like his movies about time and like figuring out what uh, or dealing with that and playing in that sandbox, whether that's like Memento or Inception or Interstellar, uh, Tenet's just another one of those in a long line. And I was confused the entire way through until like the last 10 minutes. And then I was like, shit, I want to watch this again. <laughs> uh, I, I forgot to put that on the list, though. Um, fucking Tenet, it's great. It's fun thing to... Oh, Sorry, you go ahead. Uh, I was just say it's definitely it's definitely it's like Memento. Like when I first saw Memento, I watched it again immediately, uh, just to like see everything play out. Now that you know what, now that you know what it, this trick is. But so like, Tenet is definitely. I totally agree with that. Where it's like, even when they reveal it, or like even when it kind of all makes sense at the end, I was still just like, I really don't get anything about this. <laughs> and so then I watched it again, and I also watched a whole bunch of like YouTube videos being like, here's the different timelines going along in Tenet. As uh, long as you're on YouTube, uh, take a look at some of those stunts and acting oh, that yeah. John David Washington did, where he's like falling and fighting backwards. Like it's, that's insane. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it it is a feat of like of of video making, filmmaking in the sense of like just the choreography and the planning that you have to have in order to like make the overlapping times look, you know, have that effect work is is just you know and then that's what you can expect from a christopher nolan movie is is that like he, he loves to have very complex ideas but he pres he doesn't shortchange any of the uh you know it's any of the production i would say like it, it is it is a very complex idea but he makes the movie at a very high level so that it kind of all works um which you have to give him credit for quick note is if if this were reddit this would be christopher nolan's entry on our diy and it would have a lot of Reddit gold. <laughs> it's like you, you can't watch it and say it's it's not bad in any sense. It's very complicated, which is, you know, it, they are different things. I also want to comment, Roger, I, 
this movie not being on the list Jordan put together essentially meant you're 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 picking an undrafted free agent here in the, <laughs> <in> the second. <laughs> Doesn't classic, mean it's a bad pick. Classic Bill Belichick move. Yeah, right. It's my it, it's my Devonte Adams, my second round gold strike. <laughs> it's it's very possible that I was looking at movie box office and I just completely missed it. It um, probably did. It probably bombed. Not well at the box office. I I know I didn't help. I waited until it came out on Blu-ray to get it. So. That was a peak pandemic too, or I believe it was. Uh, I think Nolan pushed really hard for it to be theaters only, and it was. Well, and no one really I'm wanted to. Just go saying back that now. could have affected the box. I know it's definitely during the yeah all of the 2020s thus far <laughs> version <laughs> of the pandemic. So, um, is that? I think that puts it to me, right? Indeed. Um, yes, Make you him are back up. up after Pirates of the Caribbean, your 2000s slot is filled. Uh, I, I'm contrasting Roger style here. Who's going for, for need. I think a little early, I'm, I'm just going top talent. I'm trying to, and I know there's, there's some other, uh, some other options in this decade, but I'm going from the nineties. I'm picking independence day. Hmm. Um, another film I've watched, I think. I it's got its flaws, but it's just a ton of fun. I think it is like again, it, it in, in the same way that Pirates was, it like really summarizes what it means to be a summer blockbuster. It's a ton of fun, relatively timeless. If you can get over like Jeff Goldblum hacking computer software <laughs> in an alien ship, well, whatever. I, they were running, they were running uh, Windows 95 up there, but um. Yeah, it's a ton of fun. It spawned a sequel, right? I, I, in the twenties, I think that came out in the twenties, right? That was like last year. Um, yeah, timeless mm-hmm. enough. Um, or, yeah, that's like twenty nineteen. I have to push back, David. This movie doesn't have any flaws. I have no notes for Independence Day. <laughs> this this might be the summer blockbuster movie. Like, I, this is essentially. Ooh. I think there's an inflection point where you can kind of see on the sheet. I'm trying to bring it back up because I just had it um, where it's like post late nineties, you start seeing like the millions of dollars starts to ratchet up even more. Uh Um, I don't think there's a couple movies that are, I mean, like, big daddy in 99 and runaway bride you have like some smaller ones that were considered blockbusters but 97 independence day with a 50 million dollar opening box office really like started that's more than pirates of the caribbean made in its opening weekend so like that that one really started to tip the scales of like this is a summer blockbuster gets to the theaters there's also in the uh, the Will Smith is untouchable stretch it may may have like kicked if it didn't kick it off it was like early where every movie will smith was in was an absolute classic in in this like same kind of summer blockbustery feel um that that of course ended in the late 2000s but um it was a good run um also i want to note too that it's directed by roland emmerich we've had some conversations about some a little bit more auteur uh style directors but roland emmerich's just like i want a hundred million dollars and i want to blow shit up (laughs) Michael Bay. <laughs> he's he's like Michael Bay, only it's a little less shiny. Um, <laughs> I mean, he's 
we're talking to the movie 2012 yeah godzilla the day after tomorrow which i swear to god is just 2012 only five years earlier (laughs) and that he also had the patriot at the in the early part of 2000 so it's like he he wants big movies, big budget. Yeah. He's oh, you also you also you. can't forget about White House Down. Yes, White House <laughs> Down is great. I want a sequel to that one. <laughs> oh, looks like I'm on the board already. I've been sitting here biding my time. Me and me and Bruno here, or not Bruno, Bruce. We don't Sharp talk about Bruno. Yeah, we don't talk. About, Bruce is okay though. Ah oh, man, what decade I do I want to go with next? Let's see, we got some. 2000s movies gone i think i have my board set up pretty well here i want to preface that jordan had the time to make his board perfect because he was the only one who knew the rules ahead of time (laughs) just i just want the record to show that collusion i know seriously at the highest level hey i did not make up any sort of uh out-of-pocket rules i think i got a draft from the 2000s here okay i'm going to go with i'm gonna go out of pocket here and just go with Harry Potter three. I'm okay. going with the I'm going with the Prisoner of Azkaban. I want this movie for its franchise value. This like you could put this movie into theaters right now and it would probably fetch like fifty million dollars in a weekend. People love Harry Potter and I think I mean despite some indiscretions by its creator, uh like what? I think if I had if I have this movie now and I put an Alfonso Cuarón directed Harry Potter movie into theaters after these Dumbledore uh, Fantastic Beast movies, I would catch a pretty penny. Um, this is the best Harry Potter movie um, of the bunch of all eight of them. Uh, I, I think it is really told masterfully. It's directed well by Cuarón, who has just bangers with gravity and roma like imagine those as your two follow-ups in the next decade um he needs to do more movies though uh we got to get afonso Cuarón on some more stuff so harry potter 3 from the 2000s decade it also signals in the actual trilogy or the actual series the shift of like all right gone are the times of like we are just innocent children it's like shit's getting real now and Alfonso Corleone does the perfect job of like creating that atmosphere to. to Turns uh, out your pet rat was a man this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Sleeping in bed with you. Also, also, I rewatched it recently. It is, I, I will say, so Sirius Black was like my favorite character in the books. And when you watch the later movies, or I guess the later movies always sat in my mind, and I felt that as sacrilegious as it is to say that Gary Oldman didn't do a great job being serious black, that he was not the serious black I imagined. But then I rewatched Prisoner, and he's perfect in that. That capsule of him being the psychotic, depraved prisoner of Azkaban, uh, excellent. I don't love the, the later serious black, but in that movie... Exactly how I pictured Sirius Black. Yeah, based on the books, you would think that Gary Oldman is like the least coolest British guy to play Sirius <laughs> Black, who's like this motorcycle driving cool guy from the mo- from the books. Um, but you're right; I think he's good within the context of the third movie. Yeah, for sure. Um, oh shit, I, I forgot. It's a 
serpentine draft. So I'm going to make you guys wait again. <laughs> this is what happens when you have to wait through uh, six other picks. Um, Can we trade picks? Yeah. Can we make this more complicated? <laughs> yeah, you can trade for future, future um, picks. Yeah, you can trade for the 2030s decade. I think after I think available. in a later show we have to draft actors who've had the best like sequence of movies. You're talking about Will Smith's summer of of three movies in a row that were just bangers. It's like you have to figure out all right, who's like whose five year period was the best five-year period. Oh, you know who had a great five-year period that I was looking at? Sigourney Weaver, starting with Alien. She she has like Alien, and then she goes to Ghostbusters, and then I think Aliens, and then Ghostbusters 2. She's just like cranking them out in the early 80s. Um, I have to go with Summer Blockbuster in the 90s, I'm going to pick. and I'm going back to actually. I'm gonna I'm gonna switch my pick. I'm going for a personal favorite. I'm going with the Mummy. I I was borderline oh. close to picking Jurassic Park here, but I already have Steven Spielberg representation, so I'm going with the Mummy because I don't know, man. Somehow I grew up on the Mummy um, with Brendan Fraser, Rachel Weisz, John Hanna. I watch this movie all the time. Um, other, like, I think I watched it last summer or like binged the two good mummy movies and it holds up except for maybe some shoddy CGI. It's like, it's not great, but it, it's still just a a fantastic movie. Everybody in this movie is just smoking attractive. So it's like the horniest, it's a great movie. It it is a very, it's an incredibly horny movie. It's it's (laughs) unreal. (laughs) Am I wrong in thinking this is one of the first blockbuster debuts for Dwayne The Rock Johnson as well? That is The Mummy 2. Ah, in all which right. He was the scorpion <laughs> king. Beautifully CGI'd onto a, a body of a scorpion. Oh my God. Uh, that, I don't know that, that it would quite make somehow, my list then, but... Somehow worse than, than the original Mummy. <laughs> it is, yeah, it is somehow worse, and they had like a couple more years to work on it. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. No, the, the CGI, though, in The Mummy is, like, wonderfully endearing, you know? You're like, yeah, it's not great, but it, it, doesn't, it doesn't pull you out of, out, of the, uh, out of the movie. And the scarabs, beetles going under your skin gave me nightmares <sighs> as a kid. Like, that was just a traumatic, yeah. traumatic thing that just forever tarnished my childhood when I first saw it. I was like, nope, nope, never, never am I ever going to go to Egypt. It's That's also still a, thing a really good me out. Yeah, oh, it's disgusting. The Mummy Ride is also one of the best rides at Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida. <laughs> uh, that's a true thing. Uh, also true is uh, they stopped the ride uh, like halfway through and Brendan Fraser pops up on the screen. He's like, hello, I'm Brendan Fraser of The Mummy. <laughs> it's very funny. <laughs> it's <a> fantastic ride. <laughs> Excellent. Incredible. Uh, why don't we have any better mummy themed movies i know tom cruise tried to revamp it a couple of years ago but i feel like that's a a rich text that people well, don't really go back to it wasn't even that tom cruise revamped it wasn't universal trying to do like a whole monster oh, universe yeah. cinematic universe the monster universe yeah they, they had like bombed fast javier and uh 
they yeah. had Russell Crowe and like they had some heavy hitters, but whew, that went down in flames after one movie. Yeah, Thank God, shocking. Uh, David, you're up. I'm gonna I'm gonna go pretty quick, and I I somebody check me if this if this quote unquote player is taken, but I don't think so. Star Wars from the seventies. Oh, dude, uh, that is yeah. very available. Yeah, I'm I'm I, I know the other two uh, were taken. I, I think all the all the points on those two. I, I guess I have no issue with those going before this one. Uh, this one holds up <laughs> despite despite uh, being the oldest and, and, and being the first. I would say the only thing that doesn't hold up is the awful in retrospect uh, lightsaber battles. That are that are kind of hard to watch at this point, um, but uh, yeah. Other than that, I don't, I don't want to spend too much time on this because we've we've talked about the chemistry between the the group already and the score and and I, really just, yeah, the universe right that was established in this in this initial film and also really kicked off. Um, if it didn't kick off, it certainly like brought it into the forefront a genre right of of like space movies were all the rage for a while after a lot of that goes to a lot of that credit goes to star trek as well the the tv show before this but um yeah i it's timeless i it will never get old um and and i'm taking it i i i gotta say i've got pirates independence day and star wars pretty good roster so far (laughs) feeling pretty good Uh, I mean, it's it's like Star Wars. Ever ever heard of it? Uh, there's really not much more to say, uh, except <laughs> you're right about the lightsaber duels. And the first thing that came to mind is like we're gonna get an Obi Wan show in like a couple weeks. It's like coming, and it's yeah. just the Alec Guinness from Ewan McGregor part is just gonna keep on getting even more tough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love when people who've mapped out like the actual timeline and they're just like. So it goes from Ian Gregor to Alec Guinness in like 10 years <laughs> or, so, or something like that. And it's like, yeah, that's a, that's a rapid, a rapid aging. We need a, we need a Nolan movie in between where we find out that. There's <laughs> <laughs> some real time fuckery going on. That's right. I think the thing about Star Wars that is a little bit more interesting than Empire is like, imagine going to the theaters in 77 and then you mm-hmm. go in and like for the first like, 20 minutes you think it's about c3po and r2d2 <laughs> just you're following two droids around like there's some a whiff of something going on but you're just following these two randos through a desert and one of them doesn't even talk <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is cool to i mean when you think about it from that context it's cool to think about and when you're watching it too like when you see a, a ship flying through space yeah. it, it's just like it's a model like spaceship that they're pulling on a string or something. And it, it, it still looks like really good. Like in the late seventies, these guys must've been just losing their minds at this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, Looser Roger drug Europe. laws helped. <laughs> uh, I think for this next pick, I got to go to the, 2010s a wild time uh where some good stuff happened and then it got real dark but before it got real dark uh, a little movie about dinosaurs came out called jurassic world that is my pick uh directed by colin trevorrow starring uh bryce dallas howard ty simpkins and some other one of the chris's <laughs> chris, chris pratt ah chris uh I, I think i like the original jurassic park a little bit better uh in terms of just being a movie but this movie was enormous it's i think one of the top 10 
box office movies of all time. Uh, something that I don't necessarily, I don't think of Jurassic Park as like this huge box office movie, but every time one comes out, probably with the exception of the most recent one, it like does bonkers numbers. Uh, and I, I think the thing that Jurassic World did pretty well, I think, was just reintroduce everyone to this really cool world where dinosaurs exist uh, with, I mean, updated like CGI visuals instead of uh, the 90s Jurassic Park visuals, which are pretty good. They still hold up for a 90s movie, but like, I don't know, seeing a dinosaur just eat a dude in Jurassic World is is fantastic. So that's my pick for the 2010s. Uh, with Jurassic Park still on the board, I'm intrigued. <laughs> I, I should have picked Jurassic Park. Uh, that one's elite. Um, I'm trying to make I, you guys' picks seem uh, a little bit derivative. <laughs> <laughs> the I feel time. like I feel like Jurassic World didn't that come out? When did um, the Force Awakens come out? Didn't that come out the same year? Mm, seems right. Yeah, yeah, 2015. Um, that was like an odd time for reboots of franchises where they just kind of told the same story as the initial movie in their franchise, only yeah. bigger. Uh, that that's what happened with Force Awakens. It was just we want a bigger Death Star, and uh, Jurassic World is like, hey, what if this park was actually functioning? But the same shit happens. Um, Turns yeah, out it's still life it's still great. It finds poster. a freaking way. <laughs> <laughs> Too busy asking if you could instead of wondering if you should. Um, Pete, you're up. Yeah, that puts me on back the clock. To back. I'm taking Jurassic Park. I mean, I I nice. gotta gotta go with Jurassic Park for all the reasons that you talked about with Jurassic World, except for the fact that this is the OG. Uh, and this the CGI holds up. It's you know, it's very the I think for me, the biggest thing about Jurassic Park that will always resonate with me as a kid was the raptor kitchen scene, which is just like exceptional usage of puppets, of mild CGI. I don't even think there's really any CGI in that. I think it's all all practical, um, but playing with sound, playing with how they shoot it. Um, and it's like a rare instance in which child actors don't suck so much that the movie's unbearable. Like they're not bad, um, which doesn't take you out of the movie. There's so many instances where like the kid actor uh, in the movie is just so goddamn awful that you can't, it makes the movie intolerable, but this is not that instance. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I love Jurassic Park and it's definitely, I know because we're jumping around decades that I can get really nostalgic, but it feel it, it's in the same realm of last crusade, Indiana Jones with me, where it's just like one of those just like timeless films that, Anytime I'm like, I want to watch a movie tonight. What will I? Well, I, you know, I don't, I just want to kind of put something on and know that I'm going to enjoy it. Ah, Jurassic Park always, always satiates me. It's always exactly what I need. I love Jurassic Park. It's one of my favorite movies. <laughs> um, did you guys see the recent, I don't know why this was, if this was even viral for everyone, but for my algorithm on my Twitter feed, <laughs> kept on popping up that, uh, Laura Dern, the goddess, was only 23 filming Jurassic Park. What? And I'm like, that seems impossible. She's a grown ass adult in Jurassic Park. No, and she's, she's not. only 23. Yeah. She was 23. That's upsetting. 
it seems disrespectful to say she looked older, but she still looks the same age that she looked in Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah. It's upsetting to me that she's 23 in that. I I feel like maybe that's, um, I mean, because what we're we were all probably like four or five years old when this movie came out maybe we saw it like before the age of 10 but 23 is like an old ass adult when you're that age so maybe that's what's like no coloring our perception i'm looking at this. pictures right now of her from jurassic park and she does not look like she is 23 years old this is wild my mind is blown i'm officially i have to move on i have to move on to my next pick before i spend too much time going down this rabbit hole um okay I, oh, I have to, because I got a while until I come back. Okay. All right. I'm going to go with the 2010s. I want to quickly just mention Man of Steel here. I'm not picking Man of Steel, but I freaking yes. love Man of Steel. I think underrated. Henry Cavill is the perfect Superman, uh, primarily because physically he can actually play the part. Uh, but I loved Man of Steel. I thought it was a very good movie but that is not my pick my pick is toy story 3 because toy story 3 was an instance for me where i thought i like i said at the top of the show i love when movies do something unexpected i thought for sure all the toys were going to die in toy story 3 because i had read reviews ahead of time before it came out or before i went to see it and they were all like oh my god the ending like at the end i cried it was so sad it was so emotional and i was like okay I'm going to get myself ramped up for like something really sad to happen. We can do this. We can do this. And they're like all holding hands as they go down to the incinerator. And I was like, holy shit, is Disney about to kill these toys? This is wild. And then they get saved. Spoiler alert. Uh, but the end is still, it's still very sad. But it, for me, it was like, and I, 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 I know it feels like this way for a lot of people in our generation, just because like that to me was like the, kids movie of, of my life was is the toy story trajectory that's the thing that like i when you saw toy story one i was like oh my toys all hang out when i'm out of the room and so like i would make sure to play with all my toys evenly so that they wouldn't like talk <laughs> about me bad behind my back and like i definitely you aged with the movie um and so toy story 3 was like the moment of andy being like okay i've moved on from my childhood toys and that really obviously like resonated with me at that time and was just i thought again a very nice for again movie a movie that was like made to be a singular movie i thought it's like all the toy story movies i feel like are very well done and like flow in kind of a character arc for like all of the characters kind of coming to a conclusion that makes sense for them. Um, so yeah, I'll take Toy Story 3 here. What was the name of that fucked up bear, the bad guy? Yeah, Mr. <laughs> Hug, Snuggle something? Insidious. One yeah. of the worst bad guys uh, in terms of like how evil he was in any Disney movie. Lots of hug a bear. Freaking lots of. The um yeah, uh Toy Story, like the series, maybe not so much Toy Story 4, because I kind of thought that one was a little bit of a speed bump in the story, but um Harrison. I feel like it was it's it's really important to millennials. Um mm. like I feel like I just dis- distinctly remember either I was coming back from my like freshman year or sophomore year of college, going to go see this movie in the theaters and being like this is the saddest shit I've ever seen. Like Andy's going off to college. This is a thing that I just did. It's like, 
you're hitting the benchmarks at the same time as this kid and you're realizing like oh i grew up watching toy story i was like seven years old running around disney world <laughs> yelling at my mom that i wanted a woody i did not know that there was an other context to that because i was very young <laughs> but i kept on saying i want a woody mom i got one <laughs> <laughs> but i really wanted one <laughs> uh any other ts3 thoughts i just kind of a night for the sequel a part part of that's timing of the release and and mm. be it the decade or, or what have you but um another uh Another point for like the youngest siblings. <laughs> I don't know how to work that. Man, really makes me want a Woody. <laughs> <laughs> a Woody and a Buzz. David, you're up. Oh, wait, no, Roger, you're up. Sorry. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, you almost did me like the Knicks there. <laughs> uh, so I'm looking at the list and I think that I have free reign of any movie from the nineties or two thousands at this point, since you three have all picked movies from there. So, uh, I think the only contentious decade that I still have yet to pick something is the seventies. Uh, and while jaws and star Wars are both great films, uh, I think I got to zag a little bit and pick one of the greatest musicals of all time. No, it's Greece. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Greece is the word, my guys. I thought that was never going to get selected. Uh, nah. Your boy loves a musical. Oh, my God. Devastating. Uh, directed by Randall Kleiser, starring uh, John Travolta, Olivia Newton-Johns, Dr. Channing, Frankie Avalon, etc. Uh, it's kind of a timeless story and that soundtrack absolutely slaps i think as the first non-disney musical i really liked as a child uh and it still goes uh politics of some of the stuff in the movie aside so that is my pick yeah the movie doesn't quite hold up but uh god damn it i'm actually i thought for sure that was i was going to be super safe on that it is i absolutely love the music i i wanted to be John Travolta in that movie. That was like, I, that was my whole vibe throughout uh, my early childhood was like, I, I want to be Danny Zuko. As a period piece, it works pretty well too. It was just like a fifties greaser versus yeah. yeah like I, I really like it. And then again, like the soundtrack rips like grease lightning is a certified banger. Also, also a classic. It's a classic one too, where you watch it as a kid and you're like, "Oh, these songs are great." And then you watch it again as an adult and you're like, "This, all this is is just this them is talking about bony feet." <laughs> how is this a, at all like cut past anything? David, what are your I, thoughts on Greece? I would say uh, timeless is a great, great word there because a lot of the actors and actresses were were in their thirties <laughs> portraying <laughs> high schoolers. So it's, it's, a, it's a remedial high school for right now. <laughs> the opposite That's of right. The receding is, hairline was amazing. Um, it yeah, it, uh, I'll I'll leave it there. Time, timeless for for multiple reasons. Look, I'll pile on here. I don't like this movie. I, <laughs> it is not for me. Um, I, I think part of that, though, is I think there are certain movies that you kind of have to catch as like a child and have them like interspersed throughout your life growing up. Greece was never that for me. I never caught that until like a couple years ago. I, I, and then I watched it and I was like, 
this is what everybody is so hyped about and I get the music the music is fun and what have you and John Travolta is really cool in Sandy. The movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah uh, I wasn't going to draft Greece so that sounded like it was a two-man race and Roger won <laughs> and I did not think I yeah. needed to take Greece with my back-to-backs but clearly Greece lightning crazy. wins again uh, one last thing about the music is it peaked on the U.S. Billboard 200 at number one when it came out and it's eight times platinum certified god damn that, that is a that is a blockbuster for sure movie yep. and music like doesn't get any bigger than that um david you are up you have three more selections left that's right and if i'm if i'm doing my own homework <laughs> i have uh the 80s the 10s and the 20s uh, and I'm going to knock out what, what I think is the hardest decade for me, uh, and that's the 80s. The two Star Wars sequels were my top two picks. Those are gone. Um, I, I'm going to go with Ghostbusters. Um, Jordan, you mentioned, you mentioned earlier Sigourney Weaver on a tear. She's in that one as well. And there's also Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Rick Moranis. Um, it, uh it's a ton of fun. It's again, it, it, it's what a it's what a summer blockbuster should be. There's um, still spawning movies to this day. There's video games that have come out. There are there was an animated TV show that spun out of this that I remember loosely as a kid. There's uh, classic ghost Slimer. There's the crazy mushroom man that terrorizes the city. Uh, it, it's it, it's a ton of fun. Um, and it's very funny. I, they, they, the cast, the chemistry is great. Uh, Bill Murray and, and Sigourney Weaver have a great chemistry. And, and um, there's like a steampunk vibe that's kind of fun, too. It's I mean, it's it's like seems like they have vacuum cleaners that are broken or that they've, you know, assembled <laughs> by hand. That's really kind of what they are, I suppose. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's just it's it's a really fun, uh, really fun movie. Plus the the main song, like the theme song, is mm-hmm. untouchable, perfect. Yeah, I think everybody knows the theme to Ghostbusters. And um, before I pick, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little recap and also bounce off uh, Ghostbusters here a little bit. It's it's fitting with a theme of all of our movies as I look at them on the draft board here of our selections, um, in that they have large set pieces most of them have some sort of creature or otherworldly being that should not exist in our everyday life or he fits in that prior category um so i'm i don't have these in order but i have them by decade to recap um I picked jaws in the 70s the mummy in the 90s harry potter 3 in the 2000s uh david has Star Wars, the first one, um, Ghost or Star Wars in the seventies, Ghostbusters in the eighties, Independence Day in the nineties, and Pirates of the Caribbean: The Curse of the Black Pearl in the two thousand. Roger has uh, John Travolta's Grease, uh, Empire Strikes Back, Jurassic World, and Tenet, and Pete has The Last Crusade, Jurassic Park, The Dark Knight, and Toy Story three. Toy Story three, the only animated one on here so far. Mm, I wonder if that'll change. Not by me. I don't do animated. Um, I'm up here, though. And I have the 80s, the 2010s, and the 2020s to go. 
I'm trying to hold off on the 80s because I want you guys to... Oh, no, you guys already made all your 80s selections, so maybe I should just go ahead and do that. It's or get a 2010s yourself. one. I do have the 80s to myself. I should save that for last, then. I feel like that's the smart move. Um, all right, I'm going to go in the 2010s, and uh, I'm, I'm just going to keep doing me. I'm going Fast and Furious 6. Uh, <laughs> I was waiting for how long it was going to take for one of those to get off the board. Um, only because Fast Five didn't qualify as a as a blockbuster. I, I didn't have that on the list. Otherwise, that would have been the pick. Um, Fast and Furious, though, is uh, when they usher in, um, or they usher back Justin Lin to the series, which I think is very important. He directed uh, Tokyo Drift, which is kind of an underrated movie among the Fast and Furious heads out there. Um, it, it has everyone. It has... Then it has The Rock still, who came in in the fifth one. Michelle Rodriguez comes back in this one. We lost her in the fourth movie. She comes back as Letty. I named my freaking cat after Letty here from the Fast and the Furious franchise. That's how much I love these movies. And um, this movie is ridiculous, but it's big, loud, noisy. And I didn't have anything with fast cars. And I feel like that is a fast vehicles in the vein of top gun maverick i feel like i needed something with some fast moving vehicles so i'm going with fast and furious uh oh i forgot i keep on forgetting i go back to back i gotta go shorter on my monologues here um i have the 2020s and the 1980s nobody has any positive fast and furious feedback for me (laughs) i'll say it's the one it's it takes uh the summer blockbuster to another level. Like all the movies we've talked about have been like great adventures, very grand adventures. And like you were saying, Jordan, large set pieces and all that kind of stuff. Fast and the Furious is like the first to go of just like the most absurd shit happens. And you're just like, yeah, totally. I'm okay with it. I totally accept whatever is going to happen in this world. I'm totally, you're going to drop, pull a safe and drive it down the streets of LA or wherever they are. Cool. I'm down with it. I'm here. I believe you, Vin Diesel. (laughs) I mean, it really did kind of open up like a can of worms of like big action movie set pieces. Cause like Fast and Furious isn't the only ones doing ridiculous shit. They just get the most pub for it. But like Mission Impossible, that series, they've really amped it up as well. And I I still love those movies too. So they they have um, super. Speaking of Henry Cavill, the freaking arm cock that's still one of the greatest action movies of it's, all time um such a good move. i would pick it right now if it qualified um oh man 2020s i'm going with the 2020s i don't have to pick f9 now because i already got my fast and furious movie i wouldn't I could be just surprised because... if you did pick. yeah just double down jordan <laughs> really just steer into it in the 2000s the fast and the furious <laughs> yeah right oh man uh, the fast and the furious I wish that one had, I was waiting for that one to pop up on my 2000s list, but it never quite made it. Um, you know what? In 2020s, I'm going to go with Black Widow um, because I want, I need a Marvel movie and this is where I'm going to get it. Uh, Marvel has basically co-opted um, summer blockbuster season um, with the movies that it's been releasing. Um, yes, Pete? I was just making sure. I thought I heard one of the babies. Oh, <laughs> that's what that is. I thought that was a pen or something. Oh, no, no. Um, this is a baby monitor. 
Black Widow, we finally get a um, woman-led um, Avengers movie that is directed singularly by a woman director. Um, I say that because Captain Marvel was directed by a man and a woman. They had co-directing duties on that. But it was kind of like we finally fucking get a Black Widow movie. And I every time I watch it, I'm incredibly mad that there's not just like a trilogy of these like super dope action spy movies. Because um, ScarJo is one of the, the best ones to watch in the Avengers movies. Like she doesn't have any superpowers, so she's not doing some cool shit. But she is doing the most cool shit that like anybody without any sort of like super healing factor can do. Plus when you add... Um, Rachel Vice, uh, two movies with Rachel Vice. Who would have saw that coming? Uh, and my number one overall draft pick in, in the actor movie draft will be Florence Pugh. Uh, if I don't get the first round pick, I'm uh, going to die. George will be devastated. I, I've had Florence Pugh stock for like three years now, and it's finally paying off. She's uh, she was in the Hawkeye series. She's going to be back as like kind of the pseudo new Black Widow. So I'm very excited for that, and I'm glad I got it here in the 2020s. I need to rewatch it. I saw it on the plane for the first time, and I very much enjoyed it. But I think it did a disservice to like the the set pieces uh, and and just the scale of it. So I need to I need to rewatch it on a on an actual TV that can do uh, do those those scenes credit. It does run into like the Marvel third act issue pretty mm-hmm. hard. But the 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 family dynamic of Scarjo, Q, Vice, and David Harbor is like, give me three movies of just them having dinner. Yes. You know? Yes. That I that I totally sign off on. That movie was not going to drop more than one spot. So, um, he stole it from my uh, from my squad. Uh, real quick note on Florence Pugh. Uh, Totally agree with everything you said. That and Midsummer, I saw like pretty close together, and it was just like, oh, so she's like, you know, like you have like celebrity crushes, and the company, yeah, so it's just like firmly established. Like, yeah, all right, oh, she's number that's one mine cool. now. Yeah. <laughs> um, she's fantastic at this, and uh, and and Midsummer doesn't qualify for this draft, but my goodness, what a great film! Oh. Um, all right, well, so that was my my twenties pick. Uh, that is now shifted to the Suicide Squad. I'm going to DC from Marvel. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna just talk through some of the cast here. You have Margot Robbie, Idris Elba is fantastic. John Cena, of course, this this set up uh, Peacemaker on HBO Max, which is a great series as well. John Cena is great in this. Uh, Sylvester Stallone is a big shark that grunts and can't communicate. <laughs> It's incredible. <laughs> just incredible. Perfect just, casting. You could you could have drafted Sylvester Stallone movies throughout this. You will never get him as a shark. <laughs> I got um, rights. <laughs> yeah, I have the, I have the best shark movie, Jordan. Confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, this was a, a total one eighty on the Suicide Squad that came out uh, five years prior, and that's 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 an estimate there. Um, Actually, it's not anymore. It's twenty. It was five years. It was uh, twenty sixteen. Was the the first one that came out, uh, and it was it, it improved just in every which way. I, uh, this is uh, super fun, entertaining. There's a there's a uh, Jordan. You just kind of mentioned like there's this this uh, sense of 
like scale and these villains that are massive and terrorizing cities. And in this case, it's an enormous starfish that is like, if you don't, <laughs> if you don't, if you haven't read the comics or anything, it's just like, you're kind of clueless as to, but it's, it doesn't make it any less fun. It makes it more fun in a lot of ways. Um, it's great. I think, uh, Pete Davidson also, also makes a surprise appearance in this one. Um, Black Widow is my first, uh, but Suicide Squad, I'm 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 happy. Suicide Squad, to be clear, folks, the 2021 film. This is my the 2020 Suicide stick. Squad, not yes, Suicide yes. Squad. Thank you, thank you. Um, uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I loved the sequence, Margot, the Harley Quinn sequence of her escaping, where you go into Harley's mind and you see just it's just flowers and sunshine and she's just like massacring everyone in her path it's just it's just it's a it's one of those movies where similarly to in a it's a weird thing to compare them because they're totally different like stylistically but it's the same thing of like Zack Snyder's Justice League where you're just kind of like here you have a vision go make the movie that is that is entirely your vision we're not going to step on you and you get good movies that way shocker uh, from from people who have really clear vision. So James Gunn getting a chance to like do suicide the Suicide Squad the way that he wanted like turned out very nicely, and it it, it holds up much more in ter- terms of like what the actual characters are in the comics rather than what I will say. Suicide Squad that trailer set to Bohemian Rhapsody might be one of the greatest trailers of all time. It only it's a it's a travesty that the movie itself sucked. Hey, only one of these Suicide Squads won an Academy Award. And I'm not going to say which one it was. Um, I, I I think it's um, it's a good point to like you were pointing out how how fun it is and how colorful it is and how you have a director who you're they're like here just put your vision to place and it was the guy who put the Guardians of the Galaxy on the map. Like this is a guy who took some unknown, really fucking bizarre ip and made two good movies out of yeah. it not just one two and probably a, a good third one coming up uh and then he's just like what worked in guardians of the galaxy i got vin diesel to voice a tree <laughs> i'm gonna get sylvester stallone to do a shark he's gonna get like dolph lundgren for like guardians three or something like that just yeah james gunn fucking rules he's good at this James Gunn took a movie that villain is a giant starfish and has Celeste Sylvester Stallone as a shark, and it's really good. <laughs> speaks to his, uh, his abilities. Roger, you're up. You have the 90s and the 2000s left. Indeed, and I have them all to myself. Uh, so I think I might change up the... Uh, well, no, Toy Story 3's been taken. Never mind. I was going to say there wasn't an animated movie yet, but... Uh, Let's lean a little bit further in. I'm taking Finding Nemo from 2003. Uh, a damn near perfect movie, and it will make, I, uh, I think, any parent cry. It'll make kids emotional. Uh, it's a really good movie, uh, and I think that this is the best shark movie that we have drafted so far. <laughs> Does this mean I have to draft a shark movie? I, I'll, I'll start working on finding a shark movie. We can do a shark place. movie draft. Uh, Bruce, obviously, in Finding Nemo. Named Deep after, impact. <laughs> uh, Bruce, the shark in Finding Nemo, obviously, named after the animatronic shark from Jaws. Uh, 
I find it really hard to find any fault with this movie. The voice acting is stellar. The animation is, I think Pixar kind of peaked. Like it just looks great. It's colorful. Uh, the story works. Uh, there's very clear rising and falling action. And you think uh, Nemo's dead at the end. And it turns out he's not because uh, it's Pixar and they would not probably do that to you, hopefully. <laughs> so that's my pick. I feel like I've seen Finding Nemo a zillion times. And Texas feels shocking to me. I'm looking at uh, like a Pixar filmless Wikipedia and it was only their fifth movie. Um, yeah. they, they did Toy Story, A Bug's Life. Toy Story 2, Monsters, Inc., and then now they're like, okay, we're hitting, so they stepped in from 35 feet, put up a three, and it went directly in. Um, this might have changed the uh, the release schedules for Pixar movies because The Incredibles came out the next year in November, but I think that movie was probably in pre-production and production and getting finished. But then after that, they have the next five six seven eight eight when, movies come out as summer releases when was cars um, one because that movie did numbers too yeah cars one was june 9th 2006 also would have been a good pick wow not enough sharks in it though yeah need more sharks <laughs> um i'll note that uh with with nemo the the set or the, not, not the set the setting right of, of of the ocean and like the coral and like all the color really helped show off the the animation yeah. and like how far it would come i think that was one of the biggest appeals for that movie is this world that like basically no one has experienced right that they were able to bring to life and tell a really the fun water the water work story. is impeccable this is one of those ones if you have a 4k tv and disney plus it's Real fun to go back and watch. It just looks great. I can't remember if this is the first time they also dabble in like a pretty dark opening scene yeah. to, to the movie to get you in your feelings right away. This, this was um, the training wheels for up. For, oh, God. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, my God. Like, hey, you know what worked last time? Killing the mom right away. Remember when we made all the kids cry? <laughs> let's get to know. The, let's let's now get to know the person we're going to kill off. Oh, perfect. Oh um, God. Devastated. All right, we are we are hitting the turn of our last picks, Pete. You have the seventies and the twenty twenties left, so you're going on opposite end of the spectrums here. And I I'm still taking my twenty twenties pick, so I'm going to go with the seventies, Alien. Hands down. Uh, thought I was going to get greasier, but I don't. But I'm totally happy that Alien <laughs> is still is still waiting for me. Different type I mean, of grease. <laughs> <laughs> we already touched on Sigourney Weaver in her in her prime, and this is like, I I think the thing that I love about this movie so much is that it is again, it's like doing something. It's taking in your alien motif. First of all, creating one of the most just like terrifying beasts out there. Like that thing is perfectly constructed to haunt your nightmares. Put you in a claustrophobic spaceship in the midst of the absolutely the <laughs> space in which there is no claustrophobia because there's just nothing. Uh, it I, It's an exceptional job at, at filmmaking, at like playing with your expectations and setting you, putting you in that environment making you feel trapped on this ship aboard with everyone else plus i also love the fact that it is a you know a commentary on 
on rape and switching it around and that the alien is impregnating all of the men on the ship and killing and the only person who survives is Sigourney Weaver, uh, the female. I watched this for the first time in college and <laughs> and we were watching it. Oh, we were watching it at my friend's, in my friend's room and watching it and it was the scene where Sigourney Weaver, you think she's, you know, she is in the pod, escape pod, she breaks out. You're like, whoo, movie's over. Thank God, she did it. Uh, and then the alien attacks and the power went out. And so just suddenly we were thrown into complete darkness. And I will tell you, I have never felt more scared in my entire life than that exact moment. Because I thought for sure I was about to get absolutely eviscerated by an alien that had been just hiding in the corner up until that moment. Um, so a uh, an excellent movie and one that the more you watch it the more you're just like oh it, God, it really draws you draws you into this world that that uh james cameron right that james no 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 ridley scott sorry ridley scott constructs yeah the all of the the xenomorphs are terrifying uh and yeah the rape commentary thing i think is like that was really ahead of its time and like yeah. the face huggers are legit absolutely fucking terrifying every part of that movie and just like the atmosphere where like everything's just like wet for whatever reason uh it's it's gross and awesome ridley yeah. scott is a goat yeah um and to echo that um beat the point you made earlier of the so Gordy Weaver is the hero and it's, there's just no, it's not like she happens to get away. It's like, no, she's badass. She's, she's fighting back. She's like the only one like with the strength and the guts to like make it out of this. Right. And uh, again, we're talking right. Seventies. Yeah. 79. Unbelievable. I mean, I yeah. like it, it, there's <laughs> decades of misogyny in film <laughs> after this. <laughs> um, and uh this this movie stands apart uh for that reason as well but yeah it's also like great like a great, great horror great I, it's just it's um another timeless one yeah we, yeah it's definitely oh go ahead roger uh, i was gonna say we didn't say anything about that chest burster scene yet uh my god <laughs> also also like a pivotal like one of the top five famous scenes in, in cinema history that then get parried and like that's how you always judge like we talked about the the darth vader luke's fa father reveal you mm. know that's a pivotal moment in, in cinema history because then like every movie subsequently parodied that that twist mm -hmm. same thing with the chest burst where it's like you then have like every movie after that parody the the chest burst you know both were parried it parodied in space balls <laughs> I'm so I'm gonna be honest. In the '70s, I saw meatballs on the list, and for a hot second, I was like, "Oh, spaceballs, duh! That's definitely gonna be my choice." <laughs> talk about talk about perfectly crafted films. Yeah, the uh, the Sigourney Weaver of it all, uh, as you guys mentioned, um, she definitely is like the precursor for uh, like Linda Hamilton in Terminator Two, like that type of hero. Um, and Ridley Scott is just a lord, and he and his brother Tony R.I.P. just have cranked out like some of my favorite pop it on on a on the middle of a Saturday type of movies, like American Gangster or 
Top Gun, for example. Thank you, Tony. Um, so they they've just cranked out really great movies, and I'm I'm thankful for that. Um, also, have to shout out Tom Skerritt in that movie, who was also in Top Gun a decade or two decades later. Shout out you, Tom Skerritt, aka Viper. Now that that's over with. Pete, you got your last yeah. pick. Final pick. Uh, I'll give a shout out to Shang Chi, which I thoroughly enjoyed, but I'm not going to pick it. Because as someone in which 101 Dalmatians holds a very special place in his heart, I think it's one of Disney's best OG movies. Corella was not bad. In fact, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought Emma Stone was actually exceptional as Cruella, as this kind of like Harley Quinn slash Anne Hathaway in uh, Devil Wears Prada character of like, kind of off the rails but but and i loved all of the people like honestly i think the biggest thing that i took away from it is when it ended i was like i want them to do 101 dalmatians with the cast and the world that they've established because i love everyone in it uh in the roles that they that they're playing i thought it was just a a a really unique take on this origin story of making it something that every point you're like oh yeah oh so that's why she hates dalmatians or oh like you know that's why she has the two colored hair or whatever it is and it's like there's an explanation and it's a fun movie and i thought it was well done so i went into it with zero expectations thought it was gonna be absolute crap and i came away from it being like i would watch another like two to three movies of of emma stone being corolla deville the costume design is insane oh impeccable the 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 scene where Margot Robbie's on top of a car and the car drives off, and she was surrounded by trash, and you realize, sorry, uh, Emma Stone, and uh, <laughs> unbelievable <laughs> Freudian slip. Um, and uh, the car's driving away, and all of the trash then forms her dress. It's is like like jaw dropping. I like so somebody somebody had to go. I, you know, I don't know if this is the writer, the the costume design, and say, I'm gonna make a trash dress, and it's gonna be spectacular. It's gonna like, be amazing. yeah, <laughs> academy level spectacular. Yeah, I'm just glad they're able to tell us that uh, Dalmatians are actually assholes. So. <laughs> Like, don't go out and buy a hundred of them. Yeah, because they're they're actually kind of aggressive dogs. Um, it was a pleasure being on. I have to go do fatherly duties now, but oh, no worries. But thank you for having me, you guys. And I just want to let you all know that I won. I drafted the perfect team. So can you uh, can you recap your team real quick? I can. I started Dark Knight number one, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Jurassic Park, Toy Story three, Alien. Cruella. I mean, all over the spectrum. I mean, covering all my bases. If those are the six movies I can only watch for the rest of my life, I got all of all of the genres covered. I'm set. <laughs> That's a well-rounded team right there. I think you're masturbating just a little bit here. <laughs> Unacceptable. I I am not. This is a perfect team. Thanks, guys. Yeah, Bye, thanks, Pete. Pete. Thanks. We'll see you soon. Um well, we can uh, keep going along. We're three picks out here. So, Roger, your last pick in the 90s. My last pick is in the 90s, and I was waffling a little bit. Uh, this has a little bit of crossover with um, my 2000s pick, but 
it's undeniable and i think it is distinct enough um i'm going with 1994's masterpiece the lion king Ooh. so obviously a disney movie uh finding nemo i don't think was disney yet or it was maybe the first disney slash pixar but uh i i don't know how much i actually have to say about the lion king uh elton john is great on those tracks uh the shakespearean drama the I don't know. I saw it at a young age and then later learned that everyone else loved it. Uh, yeah, The Lion King. So good that they remade it with uh, Beyonce and Donald Glover later. <laughs> Which also qualified for the blockbuster list. Not yeah. Real. Uh, worthy. Yeah. I. It, it is timeless. I, the best picks in all of this is timeless. I, I, I'll... Now that Pete's gone, I can say Corella probably isn't timeless, but it's it's still a great 2020s pick. Tenet is <laughs> very timeful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, The Lion King ticks every box, and it's uh, everyone knows like every song in that movie. the The animators tried to hide a dirty word in the stars in the original. Release. No, that's a, <laughs> <it's> a myth. <laughs> um, the pick. thing that i think is uh i don't know it was such a big movie that like disney like i feel like the animal kingdom was made like kind of because lion king was so huge and like there's entire sections of like a one of the top five most visited theme parks in the world and it's just like oh yeah this is actually just the lion king here <laughs> it's pretty cool yeah lion king was definitely in the pantheon of like greatest animated movie of all time um david the 2020 or 2010s your last pick yes um i gotta go with guardians of the galaxy um i am uh i don't know maybe slightly notorious among friends of of being lower on marvel overall uh than than a lot of other people but guardians of the galaxy just i i think it's one of the best that the MCU has um, another James Gunn entry, uh, incredible cast. Bradley Cooper is a raccoon. <laughs> um, <laughs> Vin Diesel is Groot. <laughs> I'm trying to go get a roster of characters that are <laughs> very famous actors playing animals, I guess, in uh, in live action movies. Yeah, um, the soundtrack's incredible too, and it really like sets the tone right away for like how fun this this movie is. Chris Pat, Pratt does an amazing job, and I think everyone would kind of agree he's at his best when there's like a comedic slant and there's there's a, um, a heavy dose of that. And th- this is the, this is like the quintessential Marvel movie to me, where it doesn't take itself too seriously, but it still delivers like a, a you know like a solid entertaining adventure. I remember yeah. this movie most for its like little like moments, I guess. So like the things I'm thinking of are like Rocket getting a gun when they're doing the jail breakout and Bradley Cooper is just growling into a microphone. <laughs> or uh yeah, that opening scene where Chris Pratt, Star Lord is kicking like whatever that rat thing is. Uh well come get some love or come get your love is playing. Like really, really entertaining. Yeah, this also was like I'm trying to think of a different Marvel movie before this. I don't think there is one that really utilized a soundtrack in a way that Guardians did. And, well, I guess you could count Iron Man. They have a ton of really good stuff on there. But, like, 
this was all just one banger after another. The needle drops in Guardians one are just fantastic, and that that's like forty percent of the movie for me, and why I like it so much. Um, my last eighties, nineteen eighties. I still have. I have a prediction, but I'm not going to say it. This is wild. Only one of my picks for the eighties has been taken. Oh man. Well, I could go Batman, 89's Batman, but I, I feel like I already have a superhero movie, so I don't want another superhero movie. I'm going to go with, I'm, oh, you know what? I don't have anything that's really funny, so I'm going with Beverly Hills Cop 2. Was that your guess? No, I had Top Gun. <laughs> oh, you're right. Does, I don't think Top Gun qualified. Uh, or did under- I just over overdo that did you overlook the movie that inspired this concept for a movie <laughs> draft <laughs> you know what it might not have had that big of an opening it might have been more of a word of mouth ah. thing uh let me look at top gun because if, if that one has it I'm, I'm revamping my pick from beverly hills cop which sounds a little sacrilege but 1986 oh you Thing. If you didn't have the Mr. Irrelevant pick here, I'd I'd maybe <laughs> say you're locked. But <laughs> at this Put, point, pushing it's just, back on it, it's just an undrafted free agent. I'm taking Greece again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh wow. Okay, so Top Gun only opened to 8.1 million dollars, so it, it really isn't much of a blockbuster. Um, it, its growth though was pretty fucking good. Um, I'm gonna stick with Beverly Hills Cop two. Uh, just because I'm going to, I don't want to be accused of draft malfeasance. Um, Beverly Hills Cop 2 is just, it's probably not as good as one, uh, but it is infinitely more fun. Uh, I talked about him before, but it was directed by Tony Scott. Uh, I just have a, I had a season pass for this guy. I won't be making movies anymore. Um, but Beverly Hills Cop is just funny. It has like peak elite Eddie Murphy. He's doing Eddie Murphy things. One of the funniest scenes in the world is when he's like tricking uh, the construction workers outside of that mansion into like giving him the home. He, he's just doing Eddie Murphy things before he like, I don't know, became family movie Eddie Murphy, which is like, I don't know, I guess a term all comedic actors end up taking eventually, but this is this is when he's at his best, and I love Beverly Hills Cop too. I, I wanted a comedy in here, so I'm glad I got it. I haven't seen it, which is sacrilegious. So I don't have a whole lot of commentary other than Eddie Murphy is uh, in the '80s and early '90s, and even through most of the '90s, he's like one of the most bankable stars that you could have in any movie. But I mean, that's I, I need to see Beverly Hills Cop too. What can I say? I wanted on record that my representatives are reaching out to Top Gun right now to try and get them to to sign some papers in the in the free agent process. <laughs> <laughs> We're offering them a fully guaranteed contract. Yeah. Um, so I recommend a Beverly Hills Cop one and two uh, double feature. I'll just end with that. Um, so to recap, we are finished with our blockbuster movie draft in the seventies. I grabbed Jaws, David grabbed Star Wars, Roger did Grease, and Pete grabbed Alien. 
Uh, in the 80s, I just grabbed uh, Beverly Hills Cop 2. David has Ghostbusters. Roger has Empire Strikes Back. Uh, Pete has The Last Crusade, uh, third Indiana Jones movie. Uh, I grabbed The Mummy in the 90s. Uh, David grabbed Independence Day. Roger went with The Lion King. And Pete grabbed Jurassic Park. Uh, for the 2000s, I went Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Uh, David went with the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Roger grabbed Finding Nemo. And Pete went with The Dark Knight, the 2010s. Um, Fast and Furious 6 for me. Guardians of the Galaxy 1 for David. Uh, Jurassic World for Roger. Toy Story 3 for Pete. And finally, in the 2020s, I grabbed Black Widow. David grabbed The Suicide Squad. Roger did Tenet and Pete grabbed Cruella. Um, how do you guys feel about your, your team, your roster? What is it looking like? I can't complain. I got grease. <laughs> grease. <you feel> like <laughs> that's, that's, that's it. <laughs> that's Tom Brady. <laughs> um, so the rest of us lost cause we didn't get grease. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like I got a 10 year dynasty coming. I mean, if we're limiting it to one movie per decade each, I think we can each make pretty solid arguments. Uh, I'd be interested to hear or see uh, via polling, perhaps, uh, what listeners think of the teams. Yeah, we can definitely get that going. Um, I don't know if I'm that satisfied with my team, only because it just feels like there was a ton of, like, I wish we had a second round, because I feel like there's a ton of movies left on the board that I really wanted. Um, do you guys have any like honorable mentions that you wish you would have grabbed? Yeah. Someone said Midsummer. Uh, I, I don't think that that probably did that well at the box office, but like, I no, love that movie. That was the, that was the call out Florence Pugh, not a, not a blockbuster, but I, I also love, I think that was the hardest part of this, right. Is that like mm -hmm. in each decade here, there's, there's movies you want to include that either didn't hit the summer or, you know, there were, Plenty of movies that boxed well and like the winter, right? That you associate with oh, these sure. decades that that were out of, out of the question. So, um, yeah, particularly like the 90s. I don't, I don't know if like the 90s just like thematically is what this exercise kind of was. Like that describes the 90s as like over the top. <laughs> I'm going to say explosive. I, I mean that in like the like picture a commercial and there's like a big <laughs> like almost like a spider-man comic book <laughs> explosions kind of yeah. <laughs> kind of thing going on that's the 90s so that's what like a lot of these movies kind of feel like to me so there's a bunch of like, armageddon's in there yeah, that, didn't even that get was mentioned. gonna be my honorable mention is like how like it's this list feels incomplete without armageddon on it but what um, can you do yeah, I mean, I, I, it does feel like litter. Men in Black, even like, I mean, again, I'm not, I didn't, it's not my favorite of any of these, but it's just in terms of blockbusters. I mean, I, I remember the hype for that movie and I enjoyed it, right? It's, it's a, it's another Will Smith, um, uh, hero stretch movie. But I'm a little surprised we didn't get any Transformers movies on this list. Uh, I almost went with the first Transformers because I, I still think that movie kind of rules. If, yeah. I, if I had to, I don't, wait, did it come out? Yeah, 2000. So it was on the board. It's just, there's so many other good movies, like directly above it. Turns out um, um, owning a movie production studio is super lucrative in the 2000s. If you have a time machine, I would do that. And a, and a Michael Bay. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> a direct line to his office. Um, <laughs> some honorable mentions for me, I would have toyed with Rocky two in the seventies. If uh, like alien jaws and star Wars were all gone. Now, that's partly why I went with the seventies as the first decade pick. Uh, I already talked about Batman in 89, uh, Rocky three back to the future. I'm surprised wasn't one of them that was selected. Uh, we already talked about independence day. Uh, very, very, very heavily considered rush hour in the nineties because I can probably recite that movie line for line if I watch it. Um, and then Wonder Woman in the 2010s. That was my other one for the 2010s that I was going to pick is Wonder Woman because I thought that was a pretty big one. But otherwise, pretty great, pretty satisfied. I, I think we should definitely keep drafting stuff like this. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, if anything, we we need a, a few more on the few more teams here. <laughs> um, it's because like like you said, there's there's plenty of movies. And I mean, I, I'm looking at this list for the 2000s here, and we have four Harry Potters. <laughs> one of one of them made it so I, there's there's plenty to choose from yeah i definitely picked a harry potter movie for um for the fans that one's for the twitter sphere they, they see that and they're like oh okay oh i guess but, uh, fast and Fury Six was for me <laughs> <laughs> whoops um cool well uh thank you guys both for hopping on thanks to pete uh the dad had to go take care of his twins. Um, if you want to see more uh, like fantasy football content from Pete, you can go to his Twitter page at Pete M Rogers on Twitter. Um, he hosts the Nerdball fantasy football podcast. And there's also a web website, nerdballff.com. Um, David, where can we find you? Minneapolis. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's in Minneapolis. <laughs> um yeah no come hang out i'm i'm uh, notorious for not having a social media presence so that that's about <laughs> the only way that you can really get in contact other than via proxy of of jordan roger until you get all those twitter bots going so you can pad your stats a little on the boat yeah gonna have to and roger uh, you can tweet your favorite Grease song at me on Twitter at Raj underscore Podge, R-O-G and P-O-D-G-E, respectively. Awesome. Yeah, and you should also follow me on Letterboxd uh, if you want to see some of the rankings or one of the 250-some movies I've already watched this year. Um, that one's at Jordan underscore Smith 27. Uh, and my Twitter handle is also the same uh, at Jordan underscore Smith 27, go in, uh, hit that line up because I will eventually after this podcast comes out, figure out how to do something so we can get a vote to see who actually won this. I might have to farm this out directly to our friends, but we will figure this out. We'll let you guys know. Um, so with that, thanks for listening to the real dads. We'll talk to you guys soon. We're going to draft where you can pick a movie from whatever decade you want. Like from the, oh, so, we're just, have, so we're just we're not going in order. And the it doesn't. Eight, the 1840s. <laughs> yeah. I'm picking a Buster select. Keaton movie from 19. They have to be motion pictures. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> um.